Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Would you bring your Bibles with you tonight? Good. Join me in 2 Corinthians and the 12th chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. We are going to, again, begin a little series on Wednesday night's little Bible study on eternity, but looking at it this way, eternity, eternity for all, right? God created uh, man to live eternally. Now, you know, our bodies don't live eternally, and someone say, I'm glad of that. Shed these, these uh, aging vessels. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But our soul will live on for eternity, right? And so now we're going to look a little bit at eternity. Now, now help me with this a little bit. Uh, you know the Bible. In fact, now let, let, me just, let me just say it this way. Everything we know about eternity, we know because of Scripture. Period. Right? And I'll get into that in just a moment. But the Bible speaks to us, and when you look into the, into the Old and New Testaments, you, you, know, you look at that life after death, and it's labeled as either eternal life or everlasting life, correct? And honestly, most of the time when you and I will, would read through that, just means life after death. Eternal life, everlasting life. But when I read that, when I read that, my question is, why use different terms? Why not just call it everlasting life? Or why not just call it eternal life? Why use, right, different labels, correct? What do you think? I know we're speaking pretty much about the same thing, life after death, you know, eternity. But is there a difference between eternal life and everlasting life? What say ye? What do you think? Yes? <laughs> Tell me why you say yes, my dear sister. <laughs> You're going to spend it somewhere, right? Okay. So, uh, could you hear her? Yeah, everybody heard her? Okay. Dennis? That's pretty, that's pretty good. I like that. That's good, Dennis. I like the way you put that. Anyone else want to weigh in? Joshua, are you waving? If you were to look at it and really want to get a theoretical, I mean, just not a theoretical, but a theological definition on it, what Josh just said uh, would sum it up. All right, stop right there. So something that is eternal doesn't have a beginning or an end. Right? And then? Has, an, has, an, has a beginning but no end. Right? So, now, when it comes to human beings, right, we have a beginning, you know, but life in and of itself has always been, you know, and that can get tricky, and that can take us down a 
a road to where, you know, we can get a little bored with that thought. But let me throw this out to you, and maybe you want to write this down. This is a good way to look at it. Eternal speaks about quality, the quality of life is eternal, right? And everlasting speaks about the quantity, the quality and the quantity, right? So everlasting, it has no ending, right? But we don't have to live it in this state. Aren't you glad? I don't want to wake up with a backache forever, you know, and then 4 o'clock every afternoon get a headache because I've been reading too much and Hello? How about you? Right? Uh, I don't want to have to wear a mask, Brother Riddell, and, you know, forever. You know, I don't even want to wear one now, you know. But uh, So it's everlasting, right? The quantity of it, it's life that will never end. Correct? But the quality of it, eternal, the quality of it is completely different than what we're, what we're experiencing now. Isn't that awesome? I'm looking forward to it, aren't you? Huh? Look what Paul says here in this text of Scripture. Um, he, he recounts, Paul recounts a supernatural experience. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. He said, it's not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Look at verse 2. He said, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell. Out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. You see that? Hold on to that for a second. We're going to come back. He said, verse 3, and, and I, knew him, I, I knew such a man, whether in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmity. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. So the man that Paul is speaking about is who? Himself, right? So Paul's saying, you know, there was a time when I just got caught up. God gave me a vision of heaven. I was looking at verse number two again. He said he was ushered into, caught up, to the what? The third heaven. Verse number seven, he said this, and I'll finish the text here. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me, what? A thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Interesting, isn't it? And so, and so uh, Paul begins to speak about being transported into the third heaven, to the third heaven. Now, let me ask you, and I want you to be really honest with me. Have you ever had that experience? <laughs> Uh-oh, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Preacher Riddell, would you go grab Barry? He's had too much to eat tonight. No, 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 don't go there, please. Don't mess up my Bible study. I don't want to hear what you got to say. Sing, everybody sing. I don't want to hear him. He's going to mess up my Bible study. He's going to tell me about some vision he had when he was eating pizza late at night. Don't tell me about it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, let me tell you why. I am a firm believer that nobody sees anything unless you see it illegitimately. Only thing, the, only, the only insight God is ever going to give us about the hereafter comes from this book, period. I, I'm not, I'm not, I won't, if you tell me you had visions and you've seen a bright light, good for you. However, 
I'm not one that agrees with that or believes that because I've read the Bible and I've studied the Bible. Okay, now I won't doubt you had something, but for me, it just, it just doesn't work for me, okay? Right? So that's why I said, please don't tell me because I love you. I love you with all my heart, and I don't want to get into trouble with you. No, it's okay. Disagree. You can agree to disagree, right? However, Paul says this, that he had this vision, and he was, he was caught up into the third heaven. That's interesting, isn't it? I've, I've heard people say this about, about, about heaven and hell, and they've kind of they've used, they used uh, terminology to where, you know, I've been to Hawaii and I've been to Haiti. You know? And Hawaii is like paradise, and Haiti is like where the booger man lives. Hell. I've been to both places. I've been to, I've been to Hawaii, and it is beautiful. It's like paradise. And I've been to Haiti, and it's, it's rough. It's rough. Uh, however, however, I do not have firsthand knowledge of eternity or heaven. I, I, don't, I don't know what it's like, and I don't know anyone who's been there and has come back personally that's been there and has come back or, or got caught up there except for what I read in the Scriptures. Are you with me? That's all that we have, what we read in the Scriptures. And for me, that's enough. What we have in the scriptures is enough because we have comments from two apostles. We have comments from the apostle Paul, and then we have comments from the apostle John who both were given clear vision of eternity or what we would call eternal life. Of course, there's eternity for all, right? There's eternal life, and then there's eternal death, right? And here's what we believe. We believe those who accept Christ as their Savior, those who are believers, have eternal life. Those who are unbelievers, non-believers, don't have eternal life. They have eternal death. That's what the Bible teaches. I wish it weren't so, but that's what the Bible teaches. In fact, you know, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, and so if that were not so, then Jesus died in vain, right? And so there's eternal life, and then there's eternal death. There's eternity for everybody. So let's take a look at what Paul says here. I'm going to lay a foundation tonight. We'll pick this back up next time. But let's lay a foundation looking at the words of Paul in this text of Scripture. I want you to notice in verse 2, he says, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell, right? Look what he says there. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. Hang, hang on to those words for a second. Caught up. Caught up. You ever see them anywhere else? Caught up. Anybody know what that's a reference to? To what? The rapture. Right? You read over 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Right? Uh, where, you know, they're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. You know? And so maybe we can say this, and I know it's a play on words, but maybe we can say Paul was raptured before the rapture, you know, because he says he got caught up into uh, the third heaven. I, I like that, don't you? Uh, but then what also kind of jogs my mind is this. He says he got caught up into the third heaven. So now, now think with me. If there's a third heaven, there must be a first and a second heaven. There's no reference to a fourth, but there is reference to a third. And so if there's a third, there's got to be a first and a second. Don't you agree? 
Huh? Let's, let's talk about that just, just, just for a moment. Let's, let's go there uh, for a moment. The first heaven. The first heaven, I believe, is a reference to the atmosphere. And, and that's where the birds fly. And, and that's where the clouds form. And so we would say this. The psalmist said this in Psalm 147, verse number 8. Look at the screen. He said, Whoso covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. Right? So we would say this. I think we, we could agree. That's the first heaven. Right? If there's three heavens, right, then the first heaven's got to be, you know, what we would, what we would consider, you know, uh, the atmosphere. Right? And, and, then, and then if there's a first heaven and a third heaven, there's got to be, got to be a second heaven, right? And we would consider that to be the universe. And that's where God put, you know, the sun and the moon and the stars and the planets. That's where when you go out late at night, you know, on a nice clear night and there's no street lights around and you look up, you know, you just see the beautiful sky and the stars and the moon. And, and I mean, if you, you really look in distant places, you can see planets and, you know, and so we would say the second heaven would be you know, the universe, and the psalmist said this, Psalm 148, look at verses 3 through 5. He said, praise ye him, sun and moon, praise him, all ye stars of light, praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Right? So, heaven, we're talking about heaven, and Paul says that he was caught up, transported to the third heaven. So, what's the first, what's the second? The atmosphere, and then the universe. But then Paul said, you know, the third heaven. And, and he kind of intimates that that's the place where, where God dwells. Right? Now, you know this, right? In theology proper, you know what theology proper is? I mean, you know the terminology? Theology proper? That would be the study of God. Right? Anytime you put ology on something, it means the study of. Theo is Greek for God theology, right? Study of God. And you know this, when you do a study on God, God is everywhere. God is not limited to one place. Isn't that right? In fact, you know, this could be somewhat, you know, hard to understand, but we're created in God. Everything is in God. The world, the universe, you know, the heavens are created in God, but we like to put God in certain places, don't we? Huh? So we like to put him in heaven. You know, but heaven's in God. Say amen right there. Yeah, heaven's in God. But Paul says he was caught up into the third heaven, the place of God's abode. And when Jesus is speaking to his disciples about prayer, he reminds them. Do you remember this in Matthew's gospel? He said, pray this way, our Father which art in heaven. Right? And, and then, of course, we read in Matthew 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is, in, which is in heaven, right? And so Paul's speaking to us about, you know, heaven, and he says he's caught up into the third heaven, and he's given this vision. God gives him a vision, you know? And he begins to share some of the things that, you know, he got caught up in, and he didn't want to boast or brag, you know, but, but he was given some unspeakable thing. In fact, he didn't know how to describe it. But you know what God does also, Joe? He not only gives them a vision, but look in verse number 7. He gives them a thorn. Right? Look at that text. 
Paul said this. He said, unless, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation of the vision, there was given to me, what? A thorn in the flesh. Isn't that just like God? Huh? And so he gives him a vision, and then he gives him a thorn. He gives him a vision to motivate him, and then he gives him a thorn to keep him humble. You know? It's kind of like what he does in our lives, huh? He gives us enough blessings to, you know, you know, keep us happy and enough burdens to keep us humble. Balances out our life. Amen? And so Paul begins to speak to us about some things that he really can't elaborate upon, but he's describing for us the place of God's abode. You remember Jesus said this in John's gospel? You know that text, chapter 14? He said, I want you to see it because sometimes we get it confused. Let not your heart be troubled. Look at John chapter 14 real quick. John 14, and look at verse number 1. He said in, in chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He talks about the Father's house, right? He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. What's that a reference to? Heaven, right? Paul says, you know, I was caught up into the third heaven. I was caught up into God's, God's abode. And Jesus said, that's the place where we're going. In my Father's house, many mansions. That's exciting, isn't it? But then John, John begins to make comment about heaven. Look in Revelation, if you would, chapter 21. That's the last book in your Bible. Chapter 21, chapter 22, last two chapters in the Bible. Look what John has to say here, the Apostle John. So you got the Apostle Paul, right? Then you got the Apostle John. Look what John says, verse 1. John says, and I saw, read it with me, class, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. See that? Now, you know, John, the Apostle John, was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, right? So now, he, he, is, he is in exile. In fact, he's really banned. He's being punished for his faith. How about that, right? Uh, so, you know, he does, <laughs> think about this, Raj. You know, he spends his whole life, you know, being the one whom Jesus loves, serving God. His faith is growing. You know, end of his life now, he's exiled to the Isle of Patmos because he was faithful to God. And God gives him an unbelievable vision there. It's called a revelation, right? He gives him a revelation, and he begins to see, he begins to see a new heaven and a new earth. And then he says, because the first heaven and the first earth, what? Passed away. Passed away. What, what do you think that's a reference to? Is anywhere in the Bible you could think of where it talks about, you know, the first earth being done away with and, huh? I'm sorry? The flood? That's good. But it existed again, right? How about 2 Peter chapter number 3, where Peter talks about, you know, God, ah, you need to see it for yourself. Go back just a couple of chapters, 2 Peter chapter number 3. John references this in 2 Peter chapter number 3. Look at verse number 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, 
by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as of a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. I love verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Look at verse 10. He said, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Did you see that? I'm in Second Peter chapter number 3, verses 10. And then down, down on, on down just begins to talk about this great judgment to come. So John is referencing that. He's on the Isle of Patmos given a revelation. And John says, you know, I see a new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Right? First heaven, first earth. Right? Talking about the atmosphere. You know, the world, the planets, you know, passed away. So what does God do? He creates a new heaven and a new earth. Go back over to Revelation with me, chapter number 21. Creates a new heaven and a new earth. So John, John is giving us a glimpse, and then he says this, <coughs> verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. You see it? Coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This <laughs> is amazing stuff. We're talking about eternity, you know? And even though, you know, we probably talk about eternity more than anybody else, but I don't think we understand too much about it, you know? And all we really know about it is what the Bible says about it. We like to make it a little bit broader. We like the the little hyperbole here or there and a little exaggeration. But, you know, John gives us a pretty good description of things. And, And what we describe as heaven most of the time is really the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem. Why do you say that? Well, when you describe heaven, describe it for me. Streets of gold. What else? No sun, no moon. Huh? Pearly gates. Who? No tears. Who? Tree of life. No sickness. No, 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 right? We usually talk about what's not there. But when you talk about what is there, do you know what you're describing? The New Jerusalem. That's what you're describing. So why do you say that? Well, because look what he said. Look at verse number two. I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prayed as a bride, as door of her husband. I heard a great voice. And everything that goes after that, he's talking about Jerusalem. You know, the, the, the size of the walls and the gates, pearls and the streets. You know, transparent gold and the streets lined with trees and tree of life. And that's the New Jerusalem. Huh? And here's the interesting thing. Pay attention to this. We're going to be there. So how do you know that? Well, I read on. Look in verse number 9. Verse number 9 says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, now look what he said, Come hither, I will show thee who? The bride, the lamb's wife. Amen. Guess who that is? Amen. That's us. That's the church. That's us. Isn't that awesome? Look at verse 27, uh, same chapter. And there shall in no wise enter in anything that defileth, 
neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's us. Talking about us. Isn't that good? You know, I like that little song. I'm going to heaven, can't wait, going to see Jesus, can't wait. You ever sing that, Raj? Your little Sunday school song, right? That's where we're going one day. So John begins to talk about, you know, the eternal state and what he sees, you know? And it's interesting that when I said to you, talk to me a little bit about heaven, and many of you said, no more, no more, no more, because that's verse 4, right? Look at verse 4. He said, and God shall wipe away all tears from the right. No more tears. And there shall be no more, what? Death, sorrow, crying. There shall be no more pain. That means there's no marriage in heaven. Just making sure you're awake. My wife is watching. <laughs> In the confession again. For the former things are passed away. Right? So we usually describe it as what's not there. But think about what is there. What is there? Let me, give you, let me just give you a couple of thoughts. What is there? Uh, our Father's there. <laughs> our Father is there. Our Heavenly Father's there. Again, Jesus said, <laughs> after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven. Our Father's in heaven. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. I mean, I, I don't know what to expect about you, right? You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I can't wait to see Jesus, you know, but I want to see the Father and I want to see the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, it's amazing, isn't it, just to think about it. And I'll be honest with you, man, I can't, preacher, I can't wrap my brain around it. I try to. I try to visualize it. You know, I word pictures in my mind, but it's, it's hard. You know, I can only go by what the Bible teaches. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. But I'm looking forward to it. How about you? The Father's there. My Heavenly Father's there. The one who I've been praying to. The one who I've been trying to glorify and exalt. He is in heaven. I'm going to see him one day. Not only that, the Bible teaches our Savior's in heaven. Our Savior's there. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Isn't that good? Did you ever, did you ever catch a glimpse of Revelation chapter 4 and 5? Huh? Go there if you would. Revelation chapter number 4 and 5. What a tremendous passage of Scripture this is. Revelation chapter 4. In verse 1, the Bible talks about something interesting. John, again, John's speaking. Where's John at? He's on the Isle of Patmos. God's giving him a revelation, a vision about eternity. And he says, and after this I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was, as, that, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, what did it say? Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be thereafter. Uh, what do you think that's a reference to? The rapture. The rapture. So here's the rapture of the church, right? And so now where's John? Come up hither, and I will show thee things which... And so now John's in heaven, and look, if you would, what begins to take place in chapter number four. We don't have time to go through all of it. But in verse number, number six, 
It says, and before the throne was a sea of glass like unto crystal, right? And in the midst of the throne, round about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And it begins to talk about what the beasts were like, right? And then verse 10, and the four and 20 elders fall, fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, and I, I like this. It's kind of like a song we sing, right? Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Are you with me? Heaven. In heaven, man. So guess who's there? Jesus is there. He's seated on the throne. Guess who's around the throne? Not just the four and 20 elders, but we're there. The bride of Christ is there. We're there, right? And, and, and the four and 20 elders, man, they're taking their crowns and casting him at the feet of Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, man. I want to have something to, you know, represent my love and my faithfulness and my appreciation, you know? And so that's why I try to live the best I can now so that when I get to heaven, I'll have something to show for what he's done for me. Because I don't want to stand around there, man. Who's the, 12, who's the 24 elders? Anybody, any idea? Who they might be? How many agree with that? 24 elders, 12 apostles, a representative from each tribe of Jacob. That's what I would teach. That's what I would agree to. 24 elders around the throne. And what are they doing? Man, they're, they're just worshiping the Lamb, you know, and singing, Thou art worthy. And then in chapter number 5, he says in verse 1, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and, and, and on the backside, sealed with seven seals, and I saw a strong, a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who's worthy to open? And no man in heaven, verse number three, nor in earth. And I wept much. Why? Because no one's worthy. Verse number, uh, if we read on down, it says in verse number five, and one of the elders saith unto me, weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. Thereof. Guess who that is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And he opens up the book, Lamb's Book of Life. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Where's it written down in? In the Lamb's Book of Life, and it's written with the indulgible blood of Jesus Christ. Never to be erased, never to be removed. Once saved, always saved. And then another book was opened. You know what that is? That's the book of works. That's the book of what we've done like I'm preaching Sunday mornings, what we've done with what God has given us. That's that final audit, you know, where we're going to be judged. And it says, I love this, verse number nine, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou was slain and hast redeemed us, by, uh, redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation and hast made us uh, unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on earth. And behold, I heard a voice of many angels around about the throne and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Hello. If you don't like crowds, you're not going to like heaven. And here's what they're saying. Look at verse number 12. Worthy is the lamb that was slain 
to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth, under earth, and such are in the sea and all that are, are in them heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne unto the Lamb that liveth forever and ever. Isn't that awesome? Just a little glimpse into eternity. What's heaven like? Who's there? Father's there. Jesus is there. And and then our family is in heaven. Woo. Our family's in heaven. Look at the scriptures again. Hebrews 12, verse 23. To the, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. <laughs> our family's there. Hallelujah. My dad's there. My mother's there. My grandparents are there. You know, many, many, many church members that we've pastored, preacher, are there. Huh? You have loved ones there. What a glad reunion that's going to be. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with God's glory and grace. We're going to go there one day. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So when you think about heaven, <coughs> we're identifying our heavenly home. We're our home. It's our eternal home, right? One day we're going to get, maybe we ought to be more heavenly minded. You know? Right? Because that's the place where, the, where our fathers, our Savior, our family in heaven. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter number 6, <clears throat> verse 21. He said, where your treasure is, there we harpy also. Right? Where your treasure is, there we harpy also. And I know there's a little Bible study about heaven, but there's got to be a little preaching at some place. You know? And maybe we ought to start living more for the hereafter than the here and now, you know, because we're going to spend a lot more time there than here. One day, transported to the third heaven. And the best part, <laughs> here's the best part, we get to stay. I've been to Hawaii, preacher. Wonderful, man. Me and my wife are on Maui. We usually say, wowie, Maui. <clears throat> Beautiful place. But you know, Dan, after uh, 10 days, we had to come back home. You know, we had to fly through Chicago, 6 o'clock in the morning, it was freezing. You know, reality hit. You know, we were in paradise for 10 days and had to return to the real world. But you get to heaven, there's, there's no coming back. You get to stay. Isn't that awesome? However, don't forget this, there's eternity for all. Eternity for all. Huh? And that means this, that means that there are some that are not saved, their destiny is eternal death. Look at one place where we've got a minute or two left. Go, go back to Revelation chapter 20. I want you to see this and we'll finish. Revelation chapter number 20. <clears throat> Look what he says here in verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne. This is John again on the Isle of Patmos giving this revelation. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no, no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death, and whosoever 
whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's, that's as much Bible and truth as everything else we've just talked about. Right? Eternity for all. Not everybody is going to experience eternal life. Some will experience eternal death. Right? And that's why maybe Jesus said this in, John, in Matthew's gospel. He said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be which go in thereat. Why? He said, Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into. Huh? So we need to be serious about that. There's people that we come in contact with, people that we know, people that we love, you know, who have yet to accept Jesus as Savior. They're not believers in eternal life. And as a result, Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth not is condemned already. Jesus came to remove the condemnation, right? But without faith in Christ, men die without Christ. They go to eternal death. We'll talk about that a little bit in this study as well. Amen? Just a preview. Eternity for all. I'm glad I'm saved, aren't you? Amen. If he comes back today, I'm gone up. Right? And if I should die before the rapture, I'm going to miss it, but I'm going to be in heaven. And that's going to be worth it all. Now let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we get to come by on Wednesday night and just take a moment or two and study the scriptures and see exactly what you, you teach us and what you, you reveal to us. And thank you for the glimpse, just a glimpse into eternity. Lord, I don't think you told us all that much because it would be hard to stay here. It's already hard to stay here on earth knowing that one day we get to go to heaven. But I think if you told us more and described it even in better in more detail, we would really long to be there. And so help us to remain faithful, to occupy until you come back for us. And I would pray for those who are lost, a long list of people we pray for tonight. We all have family members and friends and coworkers and neighbors that are without Christ. I pray you'll help us to be faithful, to pray for them, and then share the gospel with them when we have opportunity. Bless your people, we ask in Jesus' name, and amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.